cried, Come on, you duffer, can't waste ammunition. And as he saw the bear apparently upon the verge of deciding to charge him, he encouraged the idea by backing rapidly away, knowing that an angry beast will more often charge one who moves than one who lies still. And the bear did charge. Like a bolt of lightning he flashed down upon the Englishman. Now run, Bradley called to Tippet, and himself turned in flight toward a nearby tree. The other men, now safely ensconced upon various branches, watched the race with breathless interest. Would Bradley make it? It seemed scarce possible. And if he didn't? James gasped at the thought. Six feet at the shoulder stood the frightful mountain of blood-mad flesh and bone and sinew that was bearing down with the speed of an express train upon the seemingly slow-moving man. It all happened in a few seconds, but they were seconds that seemed like hours to the men who watched. They saw Tippet leap to his feet at Bradley's shouted warning. They saw him run, stooping to recover his rifle as he passed the spot where it had fallen. They saw him glance back toward Bradley and then they saw him stop short of the tree that might have given him safety, and turn back in the direction of the bear. Firing as he ran, Tippet raced after the great cave bear, the monstrous thing that should have been extinct ages before, ran for it, and fired even as the beast was almost upon Bradley. The men in the trees scarcely breathed. It seemed to them such a futile thing for Tippet to do, and Tippet of all men, they had never looked upon Tippet as a coward. There seemed to be no cowards among that strangely assorted company that fate had gathered together from the four corners of the earth. But Tippet was considered a cautious man, overcautious, some thought him. How futile he and his little pop-gun appeared as he dashed after that living engine of destruction. But oh, how glorious! It was some such thought as this that ran through Brady's mind though articulated it might have been expressed otherwise, albeit more forcefully. Just then it occurred to Brady to fire, and he too opened upon the bear, but at the same instant the animal stumbled and fell forward, though still growling most fearsomely. Tippet never stopped running or firing until he stood within a foot of the brute, which lay almost touching Bradley and was already struggling to regain its feet. Placing the muzzle of his gun against the bear's ear, Tippet pulled the trigger. The creature sank limply to the ground, and Bradley scrambled to his feet. "'Good work, Tippet,' he said. "'Mightily obliged to you. Awful waste of ammunition, really.' And then they resumed the march, and in fifteen minutes the encounter had ceased even to be a topic of conversation. For two days they continued upon their perilous way. Already the cliffs loomed high and forbidding close ahead, without sign of break to encourage hope that somewhere they might be scaled. Late in the afternoon the party crossed a small stream of warm water, upon the sluggishly moving surface of which floated countless millions of tiny green eggs, surrounded by a light scum of the same color, though of a darker shade. Their past experience of Caspak had taught them that they might expect to come upon a stagnant pool of warm water if they followed the stream to its source, but there they were, almost certain to find some of Caspak's grotesque, man-like creatures, already since they had disembarked from the U-33 after its perilous trip through the subterranean channel beneath the barrier cliffs had brought them into the inland sea of Caspak, 
had they encountered what had appeared to be three distinct types of these creatures. There had been the pure apes, huge, gorilla-like beasts, and those who walked a trifle more erect and had features with just a shade more of the human cast about them. Then there were men like Om, whom they had captured and confined at the fort, Om the clubman, well-known clubman, Tyler had called him. Om and his people had knowledge of speech. They had a language in which they were unlike the race just inferior to them, and they walked much more erect, and were less hairy, but it was principally the fact that they possessed a spoken language and carried a weapon that differentiated them from the others. All of these peoples had proven belligerent in the extreme, in common with the rest of the fauna of Caprona, the first law of nature as they seemed to understand it, was to kill, kill, kill. And so it was that Bradley had no desire to follow up.